In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the questions I'm periodically asked, and and no surprise, is uh, why did you choose to become a minister? Um, Often asked that, and you know, it's one of those, it's to some degree, it's a long answer to that question, but again, understandably why uh, it's asked. You know, sometimes you can sort of tell people are, are searching themselves and are, and are curious to hear about how you came to that decision, how you came to that place. Sometimes it seems implied, you know, you seem otherwise like a normal guy. Uh, why did you choose uh, to become a minister? There's sort of various angles people are coming from, and uh, as I say, it's, it's a... It's a long answer to that question, but in some ways, um, I would say this. um, I don't necessarily know that I chose it as much as it chose me, Uh, not because of any particular um, fabulousness on my part. You've known me long enough um, to realize that that's not the reason, uh, perhaps. Uh, Maybe it's more along the lines of, of Paul, where Paul sort of repeatedly says, look, look at me. If God can do this in my life, imagine what... What he can do in your life, uh, perhaps more along those lines in my particular situation. But I do remember some decisive moments uh, along the way, and some of them happened in college where a lot of those things um, tend to happen. And uh, the decision-making training at the Citadel is perhaps a little different than what y'all had experienced uh, in, in business school and, and other places. I can remember one evening, late in the evening, uh, being roused uh, out of my bed by Sergeant Toomey and Morris, who were the junior um, sergeants that lived next door, and being dragged um, into the room, they said, get on the corner of the rug! Uh, and they started screaming at me to get on the corner of the rug, and I, I stood there on the corner of the rug, and they continued to scream at me um, to get on the corner of the rug, and, um, you know, uh, so I thought, I, in my wisdom, well, I just stayed there. Um, and I, but I did start to think, you know, there are three other corners um, to the rug. Maybe I should be on one of the other corners. And they continued to scream at me for a moment, and then they said, good. And I thought, okay, good, that's good. But thankfully, they sort of fleshed that out. They said, you need to learn to decide and execute. Uh, You're going to get screamed at either way. Um, So just learn to decide and execute. So that was decision-making training Um, at the Citadel. I offer that freely um, to you. Maybe you'll find that useful um, in your own life. Um, Somebody's going to be upset with you, so just go ahead, uh, say your prayers, decide, uh, and execute. But I do remember also... Uh, particularly in my junior year, uh, going into St. Albans Chapel uh, at the Citadel, a a portion of Summerall Chapel. And I do remember at one point kneeling down and saying, you know what, Lord, Uh, I'm yours. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. Uh, I don't know what that means. Um, But I'm well aware that that I've tried this on my own and it hasn't worked out very well. Um, And and I'm I'm willing to try uh, something else. So, So here it is, Lord. Uh, here's me. Um, here's here's my life. Um, I'm yours. And so that was, in some ways, perhaps uh, the beginning of of call to ministry. But not surprisingly, when those doors continued to open, when it seemed clear, I, I began to bargain with God and say, you know, Lord, surely there's something less extreme um, than ordained. 
ministry and I went to graduate school and was involved in, in teaching and counseling and coaching. I had a, had a job um, working uh, with inner city um, at-risk ninth grade students um, teaching stu study skills. My, my family thought that was hilarious and it was. Um, and But I was uh, teaching study skills and my the reason I, I qualified for that job was no one else wanted it. Um, and so there, there I was. But in the midst of, of all of that, I, I came to this place where thinking, you know what, genuinely, truly, um, this, is, this is tremendous ministry. Uh, this is extremely uh, important, this relationship uh, with these students, this uh, interaction. Um, you know, surely this is very real, very valid, very important ministry. But one of the things that was gnawing at me, uh, again, going back to that, that seeming call was, you know what, I'm, I'm doing these different things, but I'm not offering them the one thing needful. Uh, you can learn study skills. You can learn how to resolve uh, some of your problems, and those are all you know, great and, and worthwhile skills, and to have someone to bounce ideas um, off of uh, and to get counsel from, uh, tremendous, uh, valid, something that I have uh, benefited from, uh, from numerous people and in numerous situations um, throughout life. But I thought, you know what? Uh, I'm not offering them um, the one thing needful, uh, the one thing that we all long for, uh, the one, uh, not thing, the one person uh, to whom we must all be drawn, uh, the one in whom we find our life, we find our purpose, we find um, our sense of meaning and our sense of direction and, and all the things that we so rightfully long for and search for in our lives. And unfortunately, and this is a story that's told again and again and again in our lives, uh, we often look for in the wrong places uh, and in the wrong people. And, and I share all of that with you by way of preface this morning because in both of the lessons that we've read from, we hear undeniably um, the importance of, of choice. Uh, and of course, that brings up um, the question which we won't fully uh, or we won't even partially unpack this morning. Do we choose or does God choose? Is it predestination? Is it election? Uh, is, it, is it free will? Um, you know what? That's, uh, that's a fabulous series um, uh, in the dean's class it has been done before. Uh, perhaps it will be done again, but I want to reflect a little bit this morning uh, on what is there uh, in the lessons before us because we begin with Joshua, and, and if you remember, uh, the portion that we read from comes at the end of Joshua as the people uh, have been led uh, by God uh, and led by Moses out of the slavery and bondage in Egypt, and they have wandered in the wilderness as God has shaped and fashioned them as his people as God has miraculously, amazingly, repeatedly provided for them and all their needs. Uh, manna from heaven, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. He's protected them. He's fashioned them um, as his people. And now the time comes that they're entering into the promised land. And Joshua uh, calls them to make a choice. Uh, the time uh, is now. Joshua calls together all of the people and all of the leaders and says, as for me and my house, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, um, we will serve the Lord. And of course, we hear that the people respond, how can we choose anything else? Uh, look at all that God has done for us, the way that he brought us out of slavery and bondage, the way that he's provided for us uh, again and again, the miraculous things that, we, that he's done before us. There, there's no 
other decision to be made. It's the absolute clear choice. Uh, we're with you, um, Joshua. We as well um, will put aside all the other gods that we've chased after, um, all the other pretenders, uh, and we will serve you, God, alone. Uh, you are our God, and we um, are your people. We hear that they make that proclamation, that they make um, that decision. But of course, uh, shortly thereafter, as we continue to read through the Old Testament, the, the books of history and the books of the prophets, we hear that again and again, you know what, it was, it was great, uh, and they meant it, but again and again they fall. Uh, they fall away from that promise. Again and again they fall away from that relationship. They fall away uh, from that commitment. And not just during the time of the Exodus, but, but it's sort of endemic to humanity. We hear that again and again the people grumble. Uh, they grumble uh, about God. They grumble in their relationship, and they chase after other gods. And all of that brings us to uh, what we've just heard from John's gospel. And we continue, as Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. But if you eat my flesh, if you drink my blood, you abide in me, and I um, abide in you. And in abiding in me, you have that fullness of life. And abiding in me, you have everlasting life. And you must never necessarily uh, abide in me. You must necessarily feed on me. Uh, Jesus, we've heard him over these past few weeks saying this, and we hear it again this morning, and we hear that some of the people began to grumble. And not only did they begin to grumble, but they began, began to fall away, and they said, uh, this is a hard teaching. Uh, and, they're, and they're right uh, about that. And that word hard doesn't mean hard to understand. Uh, what it means is uh, it means offensive. Uh, Basically, what they were saying is, you know what, this teaching is challenging. Uh, this teaching um, is offensive to us. And it, and it wasn't simply because of their taboos um, about blood uh, and the eating of blood. And it wasn't just uh, about that, although that was certainly part of it. But I, part of the tremendous um, challenge to them, part of the tremendous scandal was who Jesus uh, was claiming to be. Because in saying these words, Jesus uh, was not claiming to be uh, a teacher among other teachers. Uh, he wasn't claiming to be a religious leader. Uh, he was claiming to be God. He was claiming to be none other than God in the midst of them. And he was saying very specifically that if you abide in me, you abide in the Father. If you abide in me, um, you abide in God. He was saying very specifically, the way um, to God is through me. And it was the specificity uh, of that teaching. It was the clarity of what Jesus had to say that the people found um, so very offensive. And we hear that they began to fall away. And then those wonderful words which Peter speaks as Jesus um, realizes the people are murmuring. He realizes the challenge of his teaching. And of course, he says to them, do you want to leave as well? And Peter responds with those incredible words, Lord, to whom shall we go? Uh, we've come to see, we've come to believe, we've come to know that you alone hold the keys of eternal life. And I imagine, and it's, it's my imagining, so you can take this uh, or leave this, but, but I hear in Peter's response uh, sort of a wonderful saying, uh, you know what, Lord, we've tried all the other avenues. We, we've tried sort of success and acquisition. We've tried um, religiosity and morality. We, we've tried all sorts of different means um, on our own to reconcile ourselves in relationship with God. 
We've tried all these other means to find a sense of purpose and contentment in our lives. We've, we've uh, tried all these other means uh, to find meaning. Uh, and not only have we found them lacking, uh, but we found ourselves more empty than we began. Uh, and we've come to realize and we've come to see um, that you uh, alone hold the keys, uh, that you alone are life and you alone um, are salvation. And what I hope to share with you uh, this morning uh, is this, and I know it's what I experienced in my own life as well, uh, and that is um, the God um, who first loves and seeks us, who actually seeks and pursues and actually gives his very life um, for grumblers. Um, who actually gives his very life for those who, as we sang just a moment ago, those who are prone, prone to wander, uh, prone to leave um, the God we love. Um, Jesus offers his very body and his very blood for you and for me that we might have the forgiveness of sins, that we might have life now, and that we might have fullness of life and the life to come. Jesus offers himself to provide everything necessary um, for yours and my life. And what I invite you to do um, this morning uh, is, is this, whether this be um, for the first time, whether this be um, to sort of renew um, that commitment to God, uh, to, to come to him uh, as Peter came to him, to come to him as the others came to him, as, as they're called to articulate the faith in Jesus is not so much that Jesus needs it or that God needs it, it's that we need to articulate it. Um, it, it helps us, it strengthens us um, to say it uh, and to make uh, that affirmation of our relationship with God. So what I invite you to do is, is this, to experience again uh, the freedom and the wholeness and the fullness of life which is found in God alone. Um, to um, repent from chasing after all the other gods and all the other promises, thinking that we'll find fulfillment in those. Uh, and turning again to God and recognizing in him the one who first loves uh, and seeks us and chooses us. Later in John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, Jesus will tell his followers, you did not choose me, um, but I um, chose you. And so I invite you prayerfully um, to return, um, to commit yourself um, to God, the one who alone holds the keys to eternal life, the one alone who has the answers that we long for and seek and need, and to experience in returning to him um, that fullness of life which is found in him. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know how prone we are to wander, and yet in your love and your grace you pursue and seek us. Draw our hearts and our minds and our wills to you, most gracious God, uh, that we might uh, confess our sins, that we might find uh, the fullness of life, knowing, uh, as Peter said before, there is none other to whom we can turn for life and salvation. And we give you thanks that you extend that to us in your cross and your resurrection. And we give thanks for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.